Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello, and welcome to the New European Podcast. My name is Richard Porritt. I'm joined by Steve Anglesey. Hello. Uh, in a little while, I'm going to be speaking to Jerry Scott. We're going to get into the more serious element behind some of the revelations that we've had this week about harassment and bullying and whether the systems in place uh, within British politics are robust enough and fit for purpose. And then we'll get on to crowning our Brexiteer of the Week, as always, of course. But firstly, uh, Steve, let's get into the news. What a week. But let's start with the Brexit impact papers. Yes, the Brexit impact papers. We're going to see them. We are going to see them. But they're going to be redacted. Well, it's, they're probably going to be redacted. I think they probably are. I think they're probably going to say stuff like, we're completely redacted and we're up Redacted <laughs> Creek with a redacted. Now, what do you think about this? Because this, this is a victory for Labour and they had to use this bizarre um, sort of arcane bit of... Uh, a bit of rule that yes. people had to sort of It was of like scour something through. out of Harry Potter, wasn't it? Yeah, so a humble address. A humble address, um, which is like my address, to be fair. <laughs> it's, oh, my house is terrible. Anyway, is it like that? You've got a very sort of cool city centre pad. That, that's, yeah, that is true, yeah. yeah. But for the purposes of this podcast, For the purposes of that I'm guy. trying to be a... a, a yeah, <laughs> man of the people. Be a man of the people, yeah. Yes, a humble address... And people were sent off scurrying to uh, drag down Erskine May from their from their bookshelves to have a look. Got a copy here. Yeah. Oof. So let me just flick to the correct page. Oh, so many pages. It's so dusty, isn't it? It is dusty, and it's expensive. Four hundred quid. That's cost the podcast. That's that's incredible. Yeah. Anyway, it's there. Is it signed? <laughs> It is. It yeah, is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I had to cure Brian it. May and <laughs> Pete Erskine. <laughs> Brian May. Oh, I don't know, do I? <laughs> Clearly. So it's a victory for Labour. Yes, it is. It's more good work from Keir Starmer. It isn't is it? good work from Keir Starmer. Should we get to see it completely unredacted? Because there is an argument that we might be giving away some negotiating secrets. Well, I don't. I mean, I. The concept of taking back control into the hands of Parliament seems to be a... It seems to be a bit of a fallacy, doesn't it, when you're saying Parliament is not going to be able to have a full view uh, of something and make an intelligent decision based on it. Yeah. So, so... I so I I think I don't think there's much... Um, there's much of a case for, for redacting stuff. Um, uh, um, it's, this, this affects... 
I mean, it's only a small number of people it affects. It's 29.6 million yeah. UK workers have got their sectors covered in the, the 58 sections in this big document. Yes, yeah, so um, it's fairly minor. It is, yeah, yeah. It's trivial, <laughs> isn't it? Um, so I, I don't really see that there's much of a case for, for, for redacting stuff. Um, it... You know, this stuff is out in the open anyway. David Davis has, has sort of said this week, look, this is only going to end in us paying them a, a considerable amount of money for access to to um, to some kind of single market or, yeah. or you know, or free, or free trade. I guess what the Brexiteers may be concerned about is that finally, it seems the public might get a glimpse of the true picture post-Brexit, which was somewhat hidden during the campaign. Yes. It would have been nice if these papers had been put together by the then government prior, prior to, to the campaign. Yeah. And instead of just going, it'll all be bad and the world will burn. Yeah, there is um, that. There I could mean, have been a more grown-up argument about why we should stay in the EU. This stuff's going to come as a bit of a shock for those uh, Brexiteers who think that the WTO is actually a good idea and we should just, you know, career off that cliff, isn't it? Yes, it is. I think the one leak that we've had out of all of this is that it doesn't it doesn't really look good for the um for the the, the, the no dealers and the WTO merchants people like John Redwood of course we you know we sort of knew that anyway didn't we we knew that the WTO which uh, which is uh, is only two or three countries have signed up to that and only one country is is really fully signed up to it, an obscure country so we knew that that was 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 not really an option. That appears to have been confirmed by David Davis now, saying that we're going to be paying for some kind of access to a single market long into the future. Um, of course, the Brexiteers will say that that is a betrayal of Brexit, and we're not really doing Brexit right. And they will also say that the Brexit impact papers themselves are just an extension of Project Fee. You know, yeah. they were they were written a year, they were finished a year ago, weren't yeah, they? Yeah. Um, so I don't see that there is a huge case for redacting any of this um, because I think we know what the reactions are going to be. Um, do you think? I, do you think the, the biggest concern is that they're going to look stupid? Because even yes. the government, even the government, although there has certainly been some softening o- over the summer and over the autumn, and a little bit more of a, it seems to be a little bit more of a grown-up view. And I think that's when reality started to bite when they started to get around that table and started negotiating, but. They're still saying Brexit's going to be great and we're going to make a success of it. And do you think that is the main reason they didn't want these things to come out? Because experts are saying it's not going to be great. The likelihood is it's going to be a right shower. Yes, I think that's it is deeply embarrassing for them, isn't it? And it does expose the, well, we'll just walk away mm. as as a negotiating yeah. tactic. Yeah. The, I mean, the, the, the good thing about the Brexit impact papers is that the, the way the phrase Brexit impact papers... Um, Fits in seamlessly with the song "Offshore Banking Business" by the members, which was a big hit when I was a lad. Brexit impact papers. It was a bit sort of reggae-ish. Jasper Copping would have enjoyed it of the New European, who's a, a huge uh, dub master. He is. But it's a good, great, great song. Brexit oh. impact papers. Okay, great. Yeah. Well, we can all check that out on Spotify. Oh, I probably shouldn't. Or Apple no, Music. No, Apple or, Music or yeah. Spotify. Or it would be good if David Davis read them out in a sort of a cod reggae accent that Nicky Tesco was doing. In well, the... you know who they should get to do that? Mike Reed, because he sang the... Oh, the um, UKIP Calypso. The UKIP Calypso. And talking of UKIP... Yes, well... Bad week for Aaron Banks. Well, he doesn't seem to think it's been a bad week, does nah, he? Nice. 
he's a lad, isn't he? He is. Yeah, he is a lad. I noticed that he's 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 unusual. He's had an unusual take on this the whole Westminster thing, hasn't he? He said that after he heard what Michael Fallon said to to Andrea Leadsom, Fallon Fallon has gone up in my estimation. Old fashioned seventies banter, marvelous. Um, we'll get on to that. We'll but... get, but we'll come on to that. But look, Aaron Banks. He is the sort of Baron Greenback figure who is is yes. the uh, he's he is isn't he? He's like Bra- cultural references. I love it. Yes, it's good. Who is the, he? Was the head of um, he was the main backer of Leave.eu, which was the unofficial Brexit campaign. Big UKIP backer, close foot friend of Nigel Farage. He's on the gold lift photo with Trump. He is under investigation now for, from the Electoral Committee Commission, uh, and they are. Investigating who provided the money for the uh, the, the pro leave campaign. Now, Biggest ever single yes donation to uh, in, in British political history. Yes, so it's and and it's depending on what you uh, read or believe. He has given he gave between six point eight million and ten million in loans mm. and donations to mm. to leave causes. Um, between 2014 and the uh, and 2016. Now, the the wonderful actress Frances Barber, another 80s and 90s reference there. Uh, my favourite barber was Glynis Barber. Well, I quite like my own barber who does my personal <laughs> grooming. But Frances Barber, um, for uh, for those of us who are of a certain age, I mean, she really was fantastic and still is. Um, Frances Barber asked Aaron Banks on Twitter the other day how he got the money to fund this. And he said, uh, by building an insurance business, employing a thousand people. Now that's great, and the, but the problem with this is, with that, with that explanation, is that it's been reported recently that that insurance firm, which he set up and was very successful, it's called Southern Rock, was facing large financial difficulties in 2013. Mm. But in 2014, a year later, he was beginning a process in which he gave away between 6.8 and. Ten million pounds in in two years, and and people are justifiably saying, "Well, where did that money come from?" Now, look, anyone who's been in a business or anyone who's even got an accountant knows mm. that you move money around. Strange things happen, don't they? Um, um, and um, I feel like I'm being questioned. Well, exactly, you know. But there are many successful businesses yes. who don't make a profit for tax reasons, and it could be that Southern Rock was just part of this. However, maybe this investigation will bring some transparency. Um, I think it's right and just that the investigation takes place because there's been some very good questions asked yeah. about it and, and we haven't really got to the bottom of, of where it came from. So this is the authorities doing their job. Aaron Banks, as you say, doesn't seem in the slightest bit concerned about this, which makes me think that actually... But, Although, of course, it's very serious it is because extre- it could seem jailed. Well, it is extremely sad. I mean, you know, to to accept donations secretly and then um, and then funnel them into an official campaign is is a is a serious is a, a very serious matter. And of course, the the whisper and the allegation around this whole thing is that the money has come from overseas. Yes, exactly. Which links into the whole, um, you know. Potential of of other states being involved, not only in Brexit but in in um, the, the election in America as well. Yes, of course. Of course, these are completely allegations and ones that will be investigated. So we look forward to seeing the outcome of that. But 
Aaron's probably all right, isn't he? Well, I think we'll wait and see, won't we? Mm. Uh, it would be very interesting to see where this money came from. Yeah. It would be, as I say, the you know the the whole Southern Rock thing is interesting. Aaron Banks's charity, which is called Love Saves the Day, which appears to be based in Lesotho or is doing some stuff in Lesotho, but hasn't re- doesn't really appear to have. Brought any, had any money coming into it or, or money coming out of it? That's that's interesting. Aaron, Aaron Banks's business dealings are not amazingly transparent, and maybe he will be uh, that some light will be shed on all of those, and maybe it will be completely uninteresting as most business things are. Yeah, maybe it will be something else. I, I thought it was quite interesting that Leave EU greeted this news by uh, by tweeting. The Electoral Commission UK is not fit to regulate our democracy in the age of Brexit. Its independence requires immediate investigation, which sort of reminds me of when the return of the Mac singer Mark Morrison was <laughs> was charged with with um, was charged with something and, and immediately put out a record that said only God can judge me, which of course was. He quickly realised that only God and the, that bloke in the wig could judge him. Yes. Um, so I'm not entirely sure about that. It's, it's also, it has been quite a strange week for Aaron Banks, not just because of this, but because he started it last Monday by tweeting that he'd heard that the Russian stuff um, out of the US against Trump is all about to unravel. Um, yeah. And he was crowing about it. And then, of course, uh, a couple of hours later... Um, Manafort was was being charged with conspiring against the United Unraveled States. in a different direction it, than he was expecting. Yeah, it didn't exactly unravel. So yeah, so we look forward to um, to, to finding out more about uh, about Aaron, about Baron Greenback. Watch this space. Yeah, yeah, watch this space. Well, I can't believe that we've got so far into this podcast without mentioning the sex list. The sex list. Yes. Um, now, before we do talk about it, I think we should. Old-fashioned seventies banter. Mm. No, not really. There are some very serious allegations oh. on the list, but there are also some allegations of just consensual um, fun times. Oh yeah, on seems... the list. Well, there are. Yeah, and as I said, we'll get into the really important issue of how Parliament has to react to some of these really um, worrying allegations of harassment, and not just sexual bullying and things like that, and how um, lots of aides and staffers feel that they had nowhere to turn and their careers would be in trouble even if they did. But but um, what the fallout from the list has achieved is the career progression of one, Gavin Williamson. Uh, uh, Gavin Williamson, former Chief Whip now, of course, Ooh. who we discussed at length only a few weeks ago on this very podcast and said, watch watch out because he's coming and he's bringing Cronus's tarantula with him. Yes, he is bringing Cronus. If nothing else, then the appointment of Gavin Williamson has at least allowed The Sun to write an online article which is titled, Who is Cronus, the Greek King of the Titans? (laughs) Which is not usually the sort of thing that The Sun gets into, is it? Well, Um, It's usually, who is Joey Essex, the idiot from the Essex programme? Cronus was the son of Uranus and he castrated his father, yeah. and cast off his testicles into the sea. Right, okay. Uh, and that's where Aphrodite sort of came proto from. proto Lorena Bobbitt. Yes. Aphrodite rose up from the forming testicles that had been thrown into the sea. Right. He then seized the throne, yeah. 
but worried that his own sons would go for his own testicles. Yeah, he he ate them. <laughs> right. Okay. So that's Cronus. He ate his sons <laughs> rather than his own testicles. <laughs> yes. Right. Okay. Because well, that's not as weird. He's Gavin Williamson's got quite a lot to live up to in that case. Well, it's he? the spider, not the, Gavin Williamson Gavin himself. himself, who's advocating. Yes, castration. But uh, but Williamson's a fascinating character. Um, he is. And does he remain? He's a soft remainer, isn't he? As it, to be fair, Michael Fallon was also a he remainer. Was, yeah, so he was. so I think there is some. Isn't there some notion that she could only. Even though Michael Fallon's departure like a, may have been hastened, like Brexit nightclub, yeah. <laughs> one remainder in, one, one remainder out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but even though, isn't there some suggestion that even you know that and somebody like Andrea Ledsom, who may have precipitated some of this, or or Penny Mordaunt, who seemed to be the woman in possession of this didn't get the gig because it was going to be a, you know, a, a seat, a Brexiteer, um, a Remainer yeah. had to replace yeah, a Remainer. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, uh, it, it went down really badly in, par- in, yes. in Parliament yesterday. This I, I was shocked by the appointment, but I was also quite shocked by the reaction to it. MPs saying that he was self-serving and that he had somehow promoted himself. I think the fact that he's never been a minister is, I mean, kind of ruled him out. Um, he's very young, he's very ambitious, and he has got himself into a very, very big job. He has. Um, he will be discussed now as a potential leader, and he definitely fancies it. I mean, don't rule him out. It's just whether he can win some more friends over, I think. So he doesn't seem to have as many as maybe he thought he did. But um, No. But I guess that comes from working the whip's office quite possibly. Well, it does. But is that the... Well, look, first of all, I'm absolutely delighted to see the back of... Michael Fallon. Yeah. Um, I think what he said about Ed Miliband was bad enough. Yeah. What he said about Sadiq Khan was revolting. Yeah. And and I, I don't care whether it is a Remainer or not. It he, seems he, I'm, from... I'm deli- absolutely <laughs> delighted that he's on his way out. I mean, he was on the, he's on the list. We keep seeing these... We keep hearing these stories about how he put his hand on a journalist's knee. Yes. Bad, bad move. Yes. Stupid. 15 Arrogant. years ago, he he then said this odd joke to mm. Andrea Ledson about keeping her hands warm. Yes. Maybe he just had a pair of gloves. Yes. But um, but what we see is that all, uh, these if these were individual things on their own, then maybe you'd say, that was very stupid, apologise and on your way. But we're starting to see a pattern of behaviour possibly, and I think that's why... He obviously knows that he's made these kind of jokes for a long for time. For a long time. And, I mean, he even said he can't remember. He denies the uh, the Ledsom comment, but he does say that there were possibly comments that he made which were not in not in the right taste. Sure. Um, and this is, this is the... And this is the problem, isn't it? And this is the problem with Aaron Banks and his old-fashioned 1970s banter. Yeah. That if you go around doing this and... and um, and you're in that envelope of being deliciously politically incorrect, as mm. people like Jeremy Clarkson like to mm. say, or Rod Little, mm. that you go around spouting this offensive garbage, and there is you you cow people into silence, junior people <clears throat> to you who you know, but to be fair, female to... people, and and then this becomes the norm, and then people who 
look up to you think that it's also all right to do this, whereas it isn't all right to do it. And you and I know that it's not all right to do it. So, but to so, be fair to to be fair to uh, Clarkson and Little, I don't want to be fair to either of them, neither of whom I've ever worked with. But that is kind of don't, their, you're not going to work with them after this. I'm telling you, it's kind of their thing. If it's your yeah, thing, being, being <laughs> is their thing. Yeah. <laughs> If it is kind of your thing that you are politically incorrect while at work, a kind of... I don't... I mean, like, as an act. I don't mean, like, in the office. Yeah. Then people know what to expect while you're in that character, right? Well, but, well yeah. But Fallon's in an office, in a job, where he should be expected not to be acting like uh, yes. Roy Chubby Brown. That's right, yeah. That would be good, though, if he came in... If he'd come in dressed up <laughs> with the goggles on. <laughs> Um, maybe one for the office party. <laughs> yes. Um, yes, I know what you mean. Although, if you, you know, I'm not saying that it's the right thing to do, and I'm yeah. not saying that we, you know. But what I'm saying, I is very that much doubt that any new European podcast listeners do behave like that at work. But if you, if you do, I would urge you to stop. I think it's a bad move now. It is. Well, I think it's just all. I've a bad definitely move. reined it in. Yeah, totally. Um, so. Yeah, so there he is, Fallon, with his goggles on. He's gone. He's gone. Who's, uh, and Williamson is in. Williamson is in. Well, we're going to carry on talking about the uh, the sex list in just a second. Uh, Steve, thank you very much. Thank you. Stay angry. Fight Brexit. Subscribe to The New European. Your first 13 issues of The New European are only £13 when you join us and become a subscriber. Order by telephone by calling 01858... 438840 and quoting podcast one or order online at our website www.neweuropean.co.uk stay angry fight brexit subscribe to the new european welcome back i'm joined by jerry Hello. we're gonna look at the really important issue that lies behind some of the sniggers that have gone around the list that's come out um this sex list for want of a better phrase this week, because of course this all started with some really serious allegations about sexual harassment and bullying and this strange relationship that MPs who are powerful in their own minds at least and probably powerful in in, uh, in their um, staff's minds and, and this weird relationship they have with their staff. Not all of them do, the vast majority are no, yeah. <laughs> ultra-professional and would never ask their staff to do anything inappropriate but there clearly is an issue and I think it's probably an issue that's been going on a long time. Jerry, you're concerned that the list is going to overshadow the bigger issue behind this which is sorting out that problem. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know if uh, you heard John Humphreys on the Today programme. He um, asked if we're going too far with looking into the um, assault allegations, the harassment allegations because he worried that MPs wouldn't be able to date or marry assistants if we call out assault. Now, this is the... I mean, that goes to the heart of the of getting the list confused yeah. with... And really, we should look at the two things completely separately, shouldn't we? We really should. You know, he repeatedly asked um, William Hague whether this was a witch hunt. Mm. Um, and I think, first of all, things haven't gone too far. And there's this big difference, isn't there, between asking someone for a drink, asking them out on a date, and harassment and sexual assault. And yeah. Grown-up men mm. and women, but men should know the difference, and mm. there is a big difference. Mm. Um, but I, I think, I hope, I kind of know what 
John Humphreys is trying to say. Yeah, so, okay, let's take some examples. MP asks researcher, 20 years his junior, if she'd like to go out for a drink. Inappropriate behaviour or not? No, I don't think so. If that researcher says no, and that MP then persistently asks her or continually Uh makes inappropriate advances when she has knocked him back, that's inappropriate behaviour. Yes. So, said MP asks researcher out. She says no. Mm -hmm. Nothing inappropriate has happened. She then feels that because she said no, her career is being damaged. Oh, it's so difficult, isn't it? If her career is being damaged, then inappropriate, yeah. So she should go, she should, if this was in where we work or in most workplaces, you would then go and see the HR department. Yeah. But who do you have to go and see if you work for an MP? That MP. Yeah. Which is really kind of the root of this problem, isn't there? There's yeah. no real course of redress there for people. Um, and I think, you know, the difficulties we had or I had just then saying where that line was is that there's the danger that now this list is out it muddles together genuine issues which have been there for a long time with office gossip yeah I think it muddies the water and it's allowing the focus to be taken off this problem which is rife in Westminster but it's rife in society yeah as well it's not it's not just in Westminster Um, do you think that um do you think that there is a bigger problem in Westminster or do you think that it's just that we shine a light constantly on Westminster? Um, I think there are some out-of-date attitudes in Westminster, yeah. but I think there are out-of-date attitudes everywhere. Um, there's also I think we, shine, a, we do shine a light on it, of course we do. We there's hold also a heady mix of perceived power yes. and bars yes, <laughs> and, and long working hours and that sort of thing that... Yeah. And another thing is, is that well, a lot of the mainly women who've been kind of coming out and saying they've been victims of these kind of allegations, the, the kind of things they've been saying is, you know, people told me it would damage my career. Mm. And if you're ambitious, mm. I think that kind of threat, if you want to put it that way, could... It is a threat. It is a threat. Could definitely dissuade you from from speaking up. Um but, you know, you, you talked about the different things on the list. There's allegations of people having odd sexual preferences. That in itself is not a crime. No, 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 no. It's a, it's something for us to all have a little giggle about. But yeah. It's not, uh, but, it, but it shouldn't mean that you are not a good MP. No, but then there's, you know, people being handsy and taxis and actual injunctions being taken out for inappropriate behaviour, which obviously that is then does cross the line. Um, so, w- w- Theresa May wrote this letter at the weekend. Yeah. This was a sort of growing sort of rumbled on last week and it was a growing problem for her and then um, she wrote this letter. Andrew Ledson, I thought, was quite strong. She said this has got to take days, not weeks, um, to sort out. So do you think that the government has acted uh, correctly at this moment in time? Do you think they've done the right thing? Yeah, I do think they've done the right thing, but I think that there is so much more to do. Um, I read a piece earlier on today about the you know, the process that you have to go through if you're going to raise these allegations. And like we've already said, you have to go to the MP. Mm. Or if you take it further, there's there's like a hotline you can call, but that's not anonymous. And then you have to go up in front of 
you know, the executive committee and that bit is anonymous, but it's not really anonymous because they already yes. know who you are. And yeah. there's just no clear process. Well, the fact that the hotline has been around for a few years now and is, and is as far as I'm aware, not been very well mm. used, I think proves that there is an issue not just with the systems being robust enough, which I don't think they are in Westminster. No. But the bigger issue here is the culture, isn't it? Yeah. That culture that if you do that, you'll never work here again. Yeah, absolutely. And what what we what we find, you know, what the people that work in Westminster, these these often immensely bright, young, driven, ambitious people, it is their absolute dream to work in politics. Not necessarily as an MP, by the way, but in in some way, shape, or form in politics. Yeah. This is their dream job, and they've worked hard to get there. It's not a job that you get handed out to every graduate from, from university. You've got to put the hours in, you've got to put the effort in. You're expected to work very hard and very long hours when, when you're there as well. Mm-hmm. For that, for the threat of that to be taken away... Yeah, I mean, it's it's big, isn't it? But, you know, these the 36 names that are on this list, 36 as we record, but God knows what's going to happen, they're all Tories, aren't they? Yeah. But Labour aren't left out of this. No, not so. I think it's really important to, you know, highlight this is across the board, across the spectrum. We've got the Labour 2 website that was set up by various women um, in the party at various different, you know, levels. Um, we've got Bex Bailey, who has really yeah. bravely spoken out about yeah. when she was 19, she was um, allegedly raped. Um, and I think you can tell that it's not just a Tory problem because Labour hasn't, hammered the Tories on this. No, it's a it's a politics problem and I feel that Labour have been somewhat caught in the headlights and not quite sure what they should do about yeah. it. And I think that again the list has has muddied that for them because they've been uh the spotlight hasn't been shone on them as much in the in the days up to the Bex Bailey claim of course. Yeah. Um so finally then with regard to the list itself mm. and the serious issues that are around that. So not the stuff that's on it, but the fact that uh, a lot of this stuff, a lot of this stuff has been whispered around Westminster anyway. Yeah. There has been lots of rumours about the people on the. And list. you know what? That's common outside as well. The whisper network that is between women is something that has kept, you know, <laughs> I don't want to say women safe, but warned women about people for years. But this is what the list was supposed yeah. to be set up to do in the Absolutely. first place. But we also know that the whips have for a very long time had a black book with mm-hmm. uh, indiscretions kept in it. And, and, and there is a gr- growing controversy potentially about that and, and how that's been used to buy loyalty. Yeah. Lisa Nandy, I think, um, uh, during PMQs brought this up. So we've praised the Prime Minister um, for, for acting swiftly this week. But this is not the first time that it has been mentioned that whips are aware of things that MPs... Yeah. Do now if that is having an affair with researcher and it's consensual, then you know don't have an affair with your researcher. Yeah, yeah, of course. If it is handsy in taxis, then that really shouldn't be something that the whips are keeping back to bribe people with. It should no, be something that they're not. investigating and 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 speaking to that MP about and yeah. asking them to justify the allegations. And I think the reason that there's a kind of more of that coming to the forefront now is in the light of Harvey Weinstein and that in itself that these things are being you know put under the spotlight is really important but you're quite right it's 
not new and it should have been stopped a long time ago. Do you think that we are coming to um, a point where this is going to get sorted? Do, do you think this is a turning point or do you think that like so many other things in Westminster, and I think I'm pretty sure a few weeks ago I asked you a similar question about something completely different. Is it, will it all just calm down and go back to the as, as it was? I do think there's been a shift. I think there's been a shift in um, men of a certain generation realising, not even just a certain generation, realising that maybe things they've done in the past has been inappropriate. You know, I've I've heard of senior people now getting in touch with um, journalists, for example, and saying, you know, that thing that happened three years ago, I'm really sorry, that shouldn't... Like, not, not serious allegations, you know, but I, I overstepped a mark. Mm. I think it's making people question their own actions, mm. which can only be a positive. Mm. No, I'm not expecting a massive change, but I think there's been definitely a change in the way that these kind of actions are perceived. Well, w- the words bit they've got right, mm-hmm. the actions bit comes next, so we will await to see what the Prime Minister and the Commons authorities come up with in order to try and uh, tackle this issue, which is a very serious one. So, Joey, thank you very much. Brexiteer of the Week. Steve's back. I'm back. Do the Brexiteer of the Week. What a week for Brexiteer idiocy it has been. Let's start with Digby Jones, the Brexit-loving former CBI chairman. He's now a member of the House of Lords, and he's been explaining why he claimed over £14,000 in allowances from the Second Chamber last year, despite never asking a single written question or never speaking in a debate. Uh, He told the Sunday Politics... Well, you have to put your name down in advance and you have to be there for the whole debate. (laughs) Poor little lamb. He picks up £300 a a time for every day he visits the Lords, Digby Jones, but he still says that he provides value for money because uh, when he turns up, he said, I'll entertain people at lunchtime or I'll show people (laughs) round the house. School children. So, <laughs> so, so he's that, actually employed as a tour guide. He's employed as a three hundred pound a day tour guide. Brilliant! It's excellent, isn't it? Martin Callanan is next, Lord Callanan to you. Yes, he's new in the Brexit department, isn't he? Mm. David Davis welcomed him in last week. Uh, he said he brings with him proven ability in political leadership and now, some school children because he was also <laughs> showing some round. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, now about. A couple of hours later, a video came out with showing um, Lord Callanan's uh, proven ability in political leadership. In it, uh, he used to be an MEP and he was in the uh, the chamber in Brussels calling for the scrapping of EU rules which make pregnant women safer in the workplace. Mm. Uh, he also wanted the right to paid holiday to end. Yes, well, proven, I agree. I... Proven ability in political leadership. I would happily not take any holiday. In, he was a councillor in Gateshead in the late 1990s, Martin Callanan, uh, and he took against a local art project there. He said it was a complete waste of money, and he said it was the latest in a long series of cock-ups. He was, got any ideas? He was the Angel of the North. It was the Angel of the North. <laughs> Total waste of money. The Angel of the North. Yes. The Bowtie Brexit Boy from Question Time. Oh, yes. Let's, let's have a quick moment for him. His pet, very fetching pink shirt and bow tie I liked it. combo. He did, I mean, he was 
so close to Colin Hunt from the Fast Show, wasn't he? <laughs> Do you have you ever worn a bow tie? Like, I don't mean to awards do. There anything. are photos of me at my fifth birthday party wearing a bow tie. I've also got a red blazer on. I look like I'm a, a tour guide in the House of Lords, <laughs> a baby tour guide in the House of Lords. See, about three or four years ago, I I don't know, I must have been having some kind of. <laughs> Deep, breakdown, deep breakdown. But I did buy some bow ties and I and I wore them. Mm, I had a I had a, a sort of ginger and yellow gingham number. Oh dear! But it was very big. <laughs> it oh, was huge. It was yeah, yeah, huge thing. Well, that's disturbing. Anyway, so anyway, uh, Reese Mogg was on, wasn't he? Question time a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the bow tie Brexit boy came on. He told uh, Dimbleby and the rest of the panel that the BBC had been biased against Brexit during the campaign and they asked him why and he said you because you always got somebody very intelligent on to speak on behalf of Remain and you managed to get somebody less intelligent on to speak on behalf of Lee and then everybody laughed at him including Jacob Rees even Jacob Rees-Mogg went mate you this i think that's a self own as the the young folks will say um, yes uh brexiteer of the week this week is is michael gove not an awful lot of brexit water has flown under the bridge since i picked michael gove but gover uh, the gover um obviously he has been lying extremely low since he did his james corden light gag about Harvey oh, Weinstein dear. on the Today programme. Um, yeah. What uh, was he thinking? I've got no idea. And also, what, what was Neil Kinnock thinking of laughing at that as well? And it's just abysmal. Um, anyway, um, he has... Gove has been re- leading a big charm offensive recently. Uh, I think... I don't think it's much of a secret that he, he, he quite fancies the Treasury. Um but I don't think he's going to get it now, which is which is really good news. He was condemned for this joke almost everywhere, yeah. apart from one newspaper. Oh. Now, it's the Daily Mail who also employ Sarah Vine, the fine columnist. Oh, her of the fat fingers when it comes to sending emails. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sarah Vine, who is obviously the wife of um, Michael Gove. Yes. So, while everybody else was saying that was a... Terrible joke, you should be ashamed. Dominic Sandbrook from the Daily Mail was comparing Michael Gove to Shakespeare, mm. Dickens, mm. P.G. Woodhouse, mm. Monty Python, mm. Dad's Army and George Orwell. And he said that mm. people who didn't like Michael Gove and thought his joke was unfunny, crass and stupid mm. were humorless, po-faced lefties, mm. miserable, buttoned-up busybodies... Mm. And very similar to the people who lopped off the head of Charles I. Yes. Which is all totally sensible, isn't it? Yes. If you are a deranged Daily Mail journalist working for the deranged Daily Mail under the leadership of the deranged Paul Dacre. Yes. Michael Gove is very polite, though. Yes. So I believe. So that's fine. But he is the Brexiteer of the week. Ah. No, No, Nigel Farage. Yeah, but he's an idiot. We asked you, dear listener, another question this week, and you've. I think this is the best response we've had, isn't it's it, a, on social media? What was the question we response. asked? The question was, the Brexit impact papers, um, Brexit impact papers, um, <laughs> if, what famous book title could be the alternative title of the Brexit impact papers? Yeah. Um, we had a lot of hard times. 
Yes. We had a lot of Pride and Prejudice. Oh, good. We had a lot of a series of unfortunate events and a lot of a confederacy of dunces, which is unusual <laughs> because they were the two examples that we gave in the, in the, in the, uh, the, the, the question itself. Uh, but a so lot of people wrote in and said, yes, I agree, a confederacy of dunces. <laughs> yeah, oh, that, that sounds like a good one. That's not how it works. Uh, Don't well, do that again. Thank you for getting in touch anyway. Better yeah. try again next week. Hundreds of people got in touch this wow, week. Yes, I would so say it's like five or six hundred. Incredible. Fantastic. Darren Leithley, yeah, friend of the pod. He's think, a friend of the podcast I now, Leithley. I think we can say that now because he's always got some, some good ones. Fantasist Mr. Fox. That's good. That is good, isn't it? That is good. That is good. I like this one as well. Andrew McKeeshan on Twitter, I think this was, the Moronic Versus. That's good. That is good, isn't it? Um, have you got any? Uh, yes. Kim Arrowsmith said the bonfire of the vanities. Ted James said, how green was my valley, brackets, in June 2016, brackets. Jonathan Hartley, decline and fall. Hilly Postma, the God Delusion. Ah, like that. Alex Smith said, paradise lost. Mayliss, I think it is, excuse my pronunciation if it's incorrect. Uh, on Twitter again, Le Miserable. Yes. That's a, that's a, I like that one. Oh, this one's good. Ian Scantlebury, Fifty Shades of Brown. Fifty Shades of... That's good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sarah Darville said 100 Years of Solitude. I hope it's not that long, Sarah, but you never (laughs) know. Uh, Georgia Lewis, Heart of Darkness. Roger Williams, Bleak House. State of Fear, said David Berman. James D, Far From the Maddened Crowd. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I like that. I've got... uh, I've got three more here. Susan Lambert said From Here to Nonentity... Jules Martin said, dude, we're obscure. Bit of Thomas Hardy <laughs> there, that's, that's good. That's good, I like that. And Nigel Shoesmith said, the lion, the witch and the xenophobe. <laughs> Alan Mills, swindler's list. Oh, that's good. Um, I like this one as well. Anthony Walters, how to lose friends and alienate people. Yes. I'll, I'll also... Toby uh, Young reference there. Yeah. Art um, mirroring life. Yes, quite... Um, He's another idiot, isn't he? Selfish Gene. The Selfish Gene, that's good. No, that's the name of the person. (laughs) (laughs) But it is good. It is good. Selfish Gene on Twitter, the remains of the May. (laughs) But the the Selfish Gene is a good one. The Selfish Gene is a good one. Um, Darren Leithley, again. Yeah. He's definitely the king of these. He's prolific. This one's specifically for fishing. Yeah, good. The Cod Delusion. The Cod Delusion. See? There you go. Good. Thanks for that, everyone. Much appreciated. Thank you for that. Thank you for all of them. Uh, it's an incredible response. It would be great if you told your friends about this podcast, subscribed to the podcast, left us great reviews, five Review, stars, please. Reviews are really important, so get on there and do a review, because they, they really do make a difference for us. That would be really great. And you can follow me at Sanglesey, S-A-N-G-L-E-S-E-Y. You can follow the New European at the New European. Yeah, you can follow me. Yeah, just what, follow me. What's your app? <laughs> at Porrit. At Porrit. Yeah. Double R double T. Double R I double T. There you go. Don't follow me home. No. That was the New European podcast. Thank you so much for listening. As Steve was just saying, the reviews and the subscriptions mean a massive amount to us. So please keep them coming. If you haven't already, go and buy the paper. It's £2 and it is crammed full of stuff. Not just politics, not just Brexit. There is art, 
there is culture, there is fashion, there is food, there is humour, there is all kinds of great things in the paper. It's on sale now. To play us out, take it away, Mr Campbell. Someone's decided to do some serious... Streaming. (laughs) Streaming out. I'm streaming out of here.